Hello, everyone. Welcome to Dream Leapers Inspiration. I'm your host, Harriet Cole. As always, very, very happy and honored to be with you today. Welcome, welcome, everyone. Come on in. Join me in this moment of choosing to be inspired. I think back on when I started Dream Leapers Inspiration, which was in April of 2020. The world as we know it had shut down, literally everywhere in the world, shut down. People went home, closed their doors, locked their doors, went inside. And we were all told to stay put so that we could be safe and healthy. In the history of our country and of our world, I should say, there have been many moments, you know, these, these seismic moments when we were, we were forced to slow down, when we were forced to reassess how we engage each other, how we can be safe in the midst of tremendous challenge when those challenges have been health related, like the one this time, COVID-19, all kinds of measures have been put in place over the generations, over the centuries, in fact, in order to support human life. And many people follow them, some people do not. And over time, many survive. Well, as we know also, many do not. I think to date, nearly 800,000 Americans have lost their lives due to COVID-19. That's a huge number of people in the course of a little less than two years. Worldwide, millions have lost their lives because of one germ that, yes, it has mutated some, but because of one germ. One thing that has changed the course of many communities, families, and individuals' lives. I bring this up not to make us worry, not to make us sad, even though as we reflect on what has occurred as a result of this particular um, germ, disease that has infiltrated our world, it can bring on sadness. But more, I bring it up to say, we need to all look to see how have we weathered this storm. For those of us blessed enough to still be here, to be alive, to be engaged, what does life mean today as we pivot into a new year and as we reflect back on nearly two years of a life-changing experience. As I said, April 2020, well, really March 2020, specifically March 13th, 2020, the day before my birthday, everybody was told to go home. In April, I started this broadcast so that we could be connected. Being at home felt fine for some people, but being forced to be at home was scary. Human beings want to be together. We need to be together. And so 
I wanted to find a way for us to be able to be together across, using technology to support ourselves. And I often say, for those of you who know me, you know, I often say that when we marry technology and humanity, something beautiful can happen. When we allow technology to take over our lives, not so beautiful. But the marriage of humanity and technology in this case, as we know, so many of us have learned to use video broadcasting to connect to each other. It's a beautiful way of engaging humanity when we've had to be separated. I used this platform in order to connect to you so that we would be able to find ways, even during our darkest hours, to inspire each other, to reach for the best, to claim our greatness, to not allow ourselves to succumb to negativity, but instead to find our strength, to inspire each other, to be strong, to be capable, to reach for the best in this moment and to have faith that in the next moment we will be able to find it. I mentioned at the beginning of this holiday season that each episode of Dreaming Presents Inspiration would be special in the way that the holiday season is special. Everything seems to be a bit, for me anyhow, a bit uplifted, a bit heightened, a bit more intense. Uh, time seems to pass differently because we're busier often during this time of year than at other times. And honestly, this may or may not be true for you. It feels like that for me. And so I wanted to honor the season with all of you by taking special care with each episode of Dream Leapers Inspiration to give us something that we can chew on, that we can recall on a daily basis, that we can engage every day throughout the day during this period so that we can stay grounded and uplifted at once. And also that we can be reflective about how we've been living our lives and the choices that we wanna make moving forward. With that in mind, I've just had my ear a little closer to the ground, listening, looking for the wisdom that's stirring within me that I can share with you. And what came up was the word resilience and the notion of claiming resilience. It's the, the idea of resilience suggests that you need to strengthen your muscles, suggests that it is, that before you, before us, is something challenging. And we have to be strong even though something challenging is before us. To be resilient is to be tough enough to, to learn from our mistakes, to learn from the experiences that fill our lives, to learn by observing what happens in other people's lives so that we can get stronger, more focused, 
more capable of moving forward. And resilience shows up in lots of different ways. I had an interesting discussion with my sister, Stephanie, um, a couple days ago. We were talking about our children. She, she has three children. I have one. And my daughter will next year be going away to college. And so there's a tendency that I have, that maybe some of you do too, to just, what can I do for her? What can I, how can I just be as supportive as possible, as connected as possible? We are very close and she's about to leave. So one of the things that I do is to wake her up in the morning. And sometimes, because she's a night owl like her mama, sometimes it's not easy to get her up. And my husband said a couple weeks ago, it's going to be very hard for her in college if she doesn't learn how to get up on her own. And do you know how sometimes just when we hear our partners make statements, we bristle? I did. How dare you talk about my girl like that? She's smart. She's strong. She's doing great. I immediately recoiled. And then my sister made a comment just about letting her do things for herself that really are easy that she observed me and my husband sometimes doing for her. Nothing huge, but it's the little things that make a difference. And one of them was this waking her up, my sister pointed out. She said, you know, what she did with her youngest was to really step back and say, I'm not going to, talking to herself, I am not going to be the crutch for this young man. He needs to be able to wake himself up. Even if that means sometimes he's going to be late for school. You have to let him be late for school a few times, she said. She said about herself and she suggested to me, consider this. Step back, let her fend for herself, even if it means she's late for school a few times so that she can experience what that feels like, what the repercussions are. You develop resilience when you misstep, when you are responsible for something and you don't fulfill that responsibility and you have to learn the lesson. You develop resilience as a result of whatever the lesson is that you learn. And as a parent, now I don't think of myself as being that um, uh, soft on duties. But in this case, both my husband and my sister pointed out, maybe sometimes I am. So why am I bringing this up to you? Well, plenty of you are probably parents, but this is just an example. If, I think it's a good example too, for those of us who have responsibility for others. If we are blocking their ability to develop resilience, that's not good. In this case, out of a longing to be connected and close and also supportive of my child who's working so hard in school, I want to do everything I can to contribute to her success. My sister and my husband pointed out doing everything for her is not necessarily contributing to that. That is potentially making a crutch. Having a crutch is not 
cultivating independence for someone who's in your care. So in this case, as the parent, as the caretaker, the muscle I have to develop is the one that says, stand back. Let this young woman who you, whom you have reared to be independent, let her be independent. Let her stumble if she must. Let her claim resilience because she learns from her behavior. If she doesn't step up and wake up and do what she has to do on time, she has to suffer the consequences. And therefore, she will learn a lesson. If I block her ability to cultivate resilience, that's going to be on me and her. I have to tell you all, this is not something I had thought about. I often think about resilience from a personal perspective and from my client's perspective when thinking about you and your own life, not the reverberations in others. So I want us to think about this. Think about ourselves. What do we need to do to learn our lessons, to become stronger, to learn from whatever experiences we have so that we can claim resilience? And when the lesson includes our relationship to other people, and the potential that we might be blocking somebody else's ability to claim resilience because we're doing something for them, let us stand back. Let us not be crutches for other people. Let us allow other people to become fully embodied with their own power. This is a really interesting lesson. And one that I learned from my family, just, I mean, we just, talked about this in the past few days. When we don't allow people to live their own lives and learn their own lessons, when we are in positions of power, we are often crippling them without realizing it. Who would want to do that consciously? I sure don't. And I'm sure that you don't. But it doesn't mean that we don't do it anyway. How do we stand back? and allow people to have their own experiences. It should not be hard to do, by the way. But when you love people and you want to do everything you can for them, sometimes you block their growth. So to everyone connected to me right now who in any way is a caregiver, who in any way is responsible for someone else, I want to say to you, do not block someone else's growth. Do not block their ability to cultivate their own resilience because they have learned their own lessons. Step back and ask yourself, do I need to do this for this person? Or should they do it for themselves? I'll give you another example from my life. We were home for Thanksgiving. You know, I always talk about my beautiful 92-year-old mother who is frail, but there's a lot of strength in her too. So she and her caregiver were at my sister's house. We were all together with the family and uh, we had served cheese and crackers before dinner. And my sister had made a little plate of cheese and crackers for my mom, the ones that she said she wanted to. And my mother wanted more. 
So I shaved off some cheese to put on her plate and give her some. And I was out and about in another area of the home when it was clear that my mother wanted more. And her caretaker, I observed, was giving her space to cut the cheese herself and put it on her plate. And I immediately rushed over to help. And then I paused and recognized that the caregiver was letting her do something she could do. I didn't need to cut the cheese for my mother. She could do that for herself. And when she did it for herself, she was proud of herself. There, yeah, she's not going to do somersaults in the kitchen, but she could cut her own cheese. Do you see my point? I'm, I'm giving you these very practical little examples, but I know many people who have worked as, whether it is a real job, job or just a role in the family as caregivers for others. And when they love people dearly, they often want to do everything for them. But being able to pick up that knife and cut her own cheese and put her cheese on her cracker and eat it, hello, that was not too much for her. One day it might be, but it isn't today. Why deny her the ability to use that muscle? Paying attention, cutting, literally putting the cheese on the cracker and putting it in her mouth. Simple exercise, simple experience, but maybe not simple for her. So I learned from observing her caregiver who very consciously allowed her to do something for herself. I want to ask you, how often do you do things for the people you love so much so that you block their ability to do things for themselves? I think it's a fair thing for us to think about. How often do you do it? Usually it's, it's you, we don't put two and two together and recognize maybe that's not a good idea. Now, if you think about yourself, how often do you prefer to do whatever's on your list rather than having somebody do it for you without your even asking? We like to be independent. We like to have agency in our lives, to be in control of everything that we can. So how does it feel when somebody jumps in and takes over and does something that is your duty? When it has to do with young people, children who are growing up, if they've never had the responsibility, they don't even know that they should. So let's pivot now to us, to ourselves. How often are you paying attention so that when something happens that isn't working so well, you step back, analyze, and figure out how to do it differently next time so that you can be stronger and more accurate and clear in your decision-making so that you don't have to learn the same lesson over and over again? How often do you pay attention so that you actually do cultivate resilience? How many times do you have to learn the lesson again? See, here's the thing about school that I think is so brilliant about the educational process. When you're in school, if you don't learn the material, 
you don't pass and you have to do it again. You have to do it again and again and again until you learn. In life, we actually have to do the same thing, but we may not always realize it because the grading system is just how your life moves forward as opposed to somebody saying to you, you get an A on that, you did excellent. Or you get a C on that, you barely did what was needed. Or, hey, you completely failed. You got to do that over again. It's usually more subtle unless you're at the extremes of extreme excellence or extreme failure. But in the in-between, how do you learn your lessons? You have to pay attention. You have to pay close attention so that you notice when you are refining your skills and your abilities and your actions so that they propel you forward or when you're stagnating, when you're moving backwards. Yes? Do you assess your life so that you can figure that out? That's why I love the practice of meditation because, well, it's meditation and reflection. Meditation helps you to be still and to listen to the voice inside. And that voice inside, if you allow it to come forth and you're still enough that you can hear it, you will gain wisdom from your own self. This is not other people's wisdom. This is your wisdom. You will gain that wisdom if you are still and listen. Self-reflection, which can live in lots of different forms, helps you to consciously evaluate how am I doing? How did I manage in that particular situation? And if the answer is I could do better, how can I do better? What can I do? Now, I believe strongly in journaling, in making lists. I remember talking about lists so much during the early days of Dream Leapers Inspiration. I, I make them every day. I break down all of my projects into categories and under each project, I break down tasks that are manageable size tasks. And then I check them off as I accomplish them. In this way, I know whether I did something or whether I didn't. In this way, I can keep track of my progress. Checking things off, having little victories throughout the day gives you energy, helps you to feel, wow, okay, I did that. Now let me go to the next one and the next one. For me, that, that's like fuel in my internal fire. It helps me to keep moving, especially if the list is long and there are time constraints. Now, I actually work better when there are deadlines because I know this has to be finished by this time and I'm going to get it done. And I check it off and I smile like, I did that. That works for me. It also helps me at the end of each day to look at that list. How did I do? Did I accomplish the things that I promised that I was going to accomplish? I don't always accomplish them, not all of them. Some days are more effective than others, but every day that I write it down and check it off and look at it, I can 
determine how well I did and what I need to do differently, better, or what I have to check off for the next day. I want to give you, you know, I always look for quotes and I found some interesting quotes. Let me, let me find, let me see, where did I put them on the computer this time? I often have them on my phone. I looked for quotes about resilience and there are so many. So here's one from one of the strongest people. I did not ever meet him, but about whom I have read and watched videos and just know about his incredible life from Nelson Mandela. And you may have heard this because he says it, he said it a lot. Do not judge me by my success. Judge me by how many times I fell down and got back up again. Now, think about that. When your life is going along great, it's sunshine and smiles, okay. Hey, I wish that for all of us. But you develop resilience when you fall down and you pick yourself back up. People who fall down and don't get back up get stuck. And they remain there forever. And wallow in that and degrade, erode, and then that's it. You get stuck. But if you do what Nelson Mandela says, do not judge me by my success. Judge me by how many times I fell down and got back up again. Here's another one from someone named Dieter F. Uchdorf. It's your reaction to adversity, not adversity itself, that determines how your life's story will develop. Your reaction to adversity, not adversity itself. This is so important. And this particular thought is said a gazillion ways by so many people because it's true. Adversity is part of life. How you deal with it is what makes the difference between what your life is and what it can be. How you face adversity, how you learn from it, how you grow from it, determines what your life is going to be. It just simply is true. Here's another one, Giver Tully. These are people I don't know, but I love the quote. Persistence and resilience only come from having been given the chance to work through difficult problems. Isn't that exactly what I was saying about when you're a caregiver of any kind with my daughter, letting her wake herself up even at the risk of being late with my mother, letting her cut her own cheese and eat her cheese and cracker by herself. Persistence and resilience only come from having been given the chance to work through difficult problems. I can't tell you how many executives I've talked to, including in this period of uh, the COVID-19 space and people who are so driven that they're concerned, how, <coughs> how are we going to be as productive as possible? Can I trust to give my assistant, the manager who works for me, whoever it might be, can I trust to give that person a duty that in the past they haven't uh, handled so well? Can I trust to give it to them or should I just do it myself and get it done? As a leader, as a manager, if you decide to take on all of the 
difficult tasks for the people you lead because you don't trust them, guess what? They don't develop resistant resilience. They probably develop animosity toward you because they feel that you don't trust them. They feel you're belittling them. You get exhausted because you're doing too much work. And you're not developing resilience either. You're developing fatigue and also bitterness probably or, and judgments about people. Oh, they can't do that. I can't believe they can't do that. All, a swirl of negativity often fills space when you are not allowing people to accept the responsibilities that they have and to fulfill them mess up, learn, and grow. So what does Guy Vertulli say? Persistence and resilience only come from having been given the chance to work through difficult problems. We cannot do it for people. We have to allow people to do it for themselves. We can do it for ourselves individually. We can take responsibility. We can evaluate our choices. We can learn from the choices that we have made and fine tune our actions moving forward. But we cannot do those steps for other people. You can't live anybody else's life. You have to let them live their own lives. When you are the leader, when you have responsibility, you have to figure out how to be an inspired leader. That You inspire people to be fully empowered themselves, not to have you as a crutch. This is not easy to do, folks. I've been espousing these things for years, and my lesson, as it relates to both my child and my mother, my most recent lesson, was just in the past couple of weeks. What about you? If you're paying attention and knowing that no matter how old you are, no matter how successful you are, you can continue to learn every day, then you will. I want you to unpack this understanding of claiming resilience all week long. I want you to chew on it, to contemplate it, to look at your role in claiming resilience for yourself and in allowing the others whom you lead are important in your life to have space to claim resilience for themselves. Let them stumble. Let them experience whatever is supposed to happen to them. Let them live their own lives. Don't jump in and try to control things that are not for you to control. Give people space to be. When you do that, then all of us can learn and grow and often grow together. But we don't need to be, nor can we be, the masters of anybody else's universe other than our own. It's hard enough looking to master, to refine our own ability to be our best. So as we move into the end of this year and leap into 2022, let us claim resilience for ourselves and a space for the people we love to claim resilience for themselves. 
Thank you so much for being with me. I so appreciate you. Until next time, have a great day and make it count. Namaste.